we definitely um, don't want to take for granted the opportunity to, to read and to, to study and to hear from God himself. Not hear from me, <laughs> but to hear from God himself um, through scripture, through what he revealed years ago um, with us in mind, over 2,000 years ago. God had a plan and he was thinking about us. Not just us, but all his created beings. Today's lesson will be from Luke, the third chapter, verses three through six. Luke chapter three, verses three through six. As we always attempt to do, we want to begin by just remembering some of the things that we discussed from last week. Of course, um, don't necessarily have time to go through it all. Um, I want to commend those that have been faithful in listening to the podcast um, and reviewing the lesson and going back over notes. And um, that's how we grow. It's inculcation, just repeat it, making it a habit. That's how we mature. Um, that's not just a, a a, a church type of uh, thinking. We send our kids off to school with the same idea. It's go over your notes, study, review, so that you can be prepared for whatever may, um, whatever you may face. And it's the same in our Christian lives. I'm able to um, keep somewhat a track to see how many times um, the, the podcast is being played. So <laughs> and it gives me a little chart there, so I'm able to see some of that. You didn't know that. I can see that. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. I think there's one, I think one or two lessons that broke like 10 plays. Um, and it was back in the fall. Um, but I'm always looking at, at those, um, I don't know what you call it, but that, those types of um, that data and that feedback. Um, so Luke chapter 3, verses 3 through 6 is where we are. Um, where we'll begin today. I, do, I would like to take some time to look at what we talked about last week, however, um, as we really spend time setting the, the context of John the Baptist's ministry. Um, John the Baptist had an important and unique ministry and, and role, which um, for, for most of us, we, we know that. Um, even as we know that, we don't want to find ourselves limiting what God will reveal to us in scripture. You know, sometimes you might read a passage of scripture and you say, oh, I know that scripture. God is much more than that. God is much more than that. And so we always want to approach God's word with, what else um, will you show me, God? Or um, how will you um, help me to examine the things that I have been taught so that I grab hold to it even tighter? We read two verses last week. And these were the verses starting at verse one in Luke chapter three. It said, now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod the Tetrarch was Tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip was Tetrarch of a region of Iteria and Trachonitis and Lysanias was Tetrarch of Abilene 
In the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Remember, Luke is a, um, a very polished historian um, and theologian in that he really helps to give us background as to what was going on. We had an opportunity to discuss the, the political setting, looking at Tiberius Caesar and his reign as emperor somewhere around 26 AD. We looked at uh, the geographical setting and location, um, Pontius Pilate um, being governor um, there, Herod being tetrarch of the, the main locations of Christ's ministry, which we'll spend time um, unfolding throughout um, Christ's ministry. We had an opportunity to look at the religious setting of Annas and Caiaphas. Um, they were, in essence, high priests over the temple um, in Jerusalem. And then we also had an opportunity to look at the spiritual condition, um, which all of this really represented. Um, and the Jews, God's people, were in a period of oppression and bondage. Even as I point that out, we, we don't want to find ourselves, I know it's easy to feel sad for the Jewish people because they were in this state of bondage and oppression. Remember Galatians chapter 4 talked about it being the fullness of time. When, situa when the situation was the worst in history, God sent his son. Um, and it's always good to go back in our lives. I, sometimes when you've been a Christian for so long, <laughs> sometimes you can't remember when you were without Christ. But if you take some time and look back on those periods of your life when you remember, and, and hopefully we can remember, when we were without Christ, it should help us to, to, to gain a better appreciation of the text. But what we see here in history was something that was building up for years in, in Jewish history. And that was the rejection of God, rejection of Christ Jesus throughout history. Every period of time throughout Jewish history, there was this rejection by God's people. This is also important for us to understand because we are God's people. And it's important that we don't reject God, Christ, and the revealing of his glory, which is what John will um, speak of throughout his ministry, a very short but impactful ministry of John the Baptist. So when we took all of what was going on in the setting, verse 2 ends by saying, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. In the midst of all that was going on, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. Um, that verse, that portion of text alone is, is enough to, to discuss for weeks. Um, and we had an opportunity to touch up on it last week. In order for us to really understand John the Baptist's ministry, we have to understand some things prior to when he appeared out of nowhere, literally, to the Jewish people. And so in order for us to have a, a better understanding of that, we're going to have to go back a little bit. We talked about John the Baptist's birth when we were um, speaking of Jesus' birth, but we have to go back a little bit to really examine what God was doing. Um, in the life of John the Baptist. And so a portion of the beginning here, just to introduce the lesson, will come from the first chapter of Luke. Because it's in the first chapter of Luke where we are revealed some truths that we don't want to overlook because what's happening right now in John the Baptist's ministry during this 
very intense and wicked time period was an unfolding of God's unique plan and purpose for his life. So I'm going to ask that you go back to Luke chapter 1, starting at the fifth verse. There's some things we already discussed about John the Baptist's ministry, or John the Baptist's period, and we know that John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. We looked at that early on when um, the angel appeared to Mary, and we studied that lesson some weeks back. But when we look at Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, now remember at this time, this was Herod the Great, because remember, he, he died shortly after Jesus was born when they were in Egypt. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. So we have a presentation of John the Baptist's parents. A presentation of John the Baptist's parents. I can't stress enough how important it is for us to be and have godly parents. We've had an opportunity to see that with Jesus Christ. We're gonna examine it a little bit here with John the Baptist. And this is the reason why in scripture we have genealogies and lineages. It's for us to look at the names and be able to look at their lives and determine some things. Because usually the name is there of the parents to almost foreshadow either how they will be or the stock that they come from. So we can start to kind of make some assumptions as to what God will present in scripture. So it's, it's very important that Luke put here in the scripture text information about Zacharias and Elizabeth. John the Baptist had priestly parents. I'll just say John um, for now. I'll just say John. Um, hopefully we won't get confused with the Apostle John. Um, instead of saying John the Baptizer, I'll just say John. So John had priestly parents. It's interesting because if you look at these priestly parents, we have Zacharias, that's from the division of Abijah. You can read a little more about that division and how David set those up in 1 Chronicles chapter 24. In 1 Chronicles chapter 24, they list all of the different tribes and Abijah is listed and it talks about their service in the temple, so on and so forth. So we have Zacharias, and then we have Elizabeth, who's also of the daughters of Aaron, which was the priestly tribe as well. So he has it on both sides. All right, so he's in bad shape, right? <laughs> because he has it on both sides. He didn't have a choice. He just, from day one, it just, he was set up, all right? <laughs> um, for, for God's purpose and God's plan there. It also says they were both, in verse 6, they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements 
of the Lord. So they walked according to the law. They walked according to what was taught to them and revealed to them. It said that they were righteous. It didn't say that they were without sin. It said that when they sinned, they approached sin the way God would approach sin, and they dealt with it that way. They were determined to get right and be right with God. They wanted to get right and be right with God. They weren't always right, but they understood that. And the goal was to be right with God. So John had priestly parents. He had righteous parents. And then verse 7 says they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advancing years. And he had elderly barren parents as well which is not anything new in scripture because we've seen um, parents of old that have had some similar experiences. So the key with that is to know how to respond to your situation based on examples that God has given in scripture. So when we face different things in our lives, we don't deal with them as if they're new because it's not new to God. We go back to scripture and look at how believers of old dealt with things so that we could respond the same way. That's probably the hardest um, part um, for us at times because all we see many times is our situation. We just see what's going on right in front of us. We don't take the time to go back and look at scripture and see how God has delivered people from these situations. It's when we do that that our faith increases and that we strengthen um, our walk with God. So he had priestly parents, righteous parents, and barren parents. We look at verse 8 through 10 and it says, Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service, this is Zacharias, 1 Chronicles, again, chapter 24, talks about a rotation of priests in service in the temple. It was Zacharias' turn. So it says, now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of his priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. It was his turn for service. Verse 10 says, and the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. Then verse 11 says, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. This should have been a picture for Zacharias of some Old Testament works, right? When they, when they had sacrifice and they burned incense and all. This was a picture because the angel was standing in the specific spot, if we remember Old Testament scripture. And so it says, Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. I want to stop right there at verse 14. Because verse 13 says that John was the answer to Zacharias and Elizabeth's prayer. They had prayed to God for a child, and this was John. When we pray to God for something, like James says, we have to believe. When we pray to God for anything, we have to believe. We have to believe. 
We have to trust that God will give us what we need in the time that we need it. I'm not telling you to pray for whatever you feel like and God is just responsible or obliged to give you whatever you ask for. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, if we, as Jesus taught, pray according to his will, he will answer our prayers. He will answer our prayers. But we have to believe. We have to believe. So Zacharias and Elizabeth had been praying for a son, and the angel appears and says, you will have a son. Your prayers have been heard. It's interesting because the angel says, the angel doesn't say your service has been noticed. He says your prayers have been heard. God sees what's on the inside. He sees what man can't see. He knows the desires of our heart. He knows the desire of our heart before we actually tell him he's God. And he's waiting to bless us in those things. He wants to bless us. Sometimes we, we present God, even in our thinking or to others, as God only wants what he wants. He doesn't care about what you want. And so we sometimes present God as this God that's not in touch with, with man. But that's not really true. That's not true at all. God wants to see a smile on your face. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to want to serve him. God is God, though, and he has to remain true to who he is and not compromise because of how we feel at times. God knew that in spite of what was being seen, that they had a, a, a pain on the inside and a hurt, and they wanted a son. And God said to Zacharias, not I see what you're doing, but I've heard your prayer and I'm granting you a son. Here's where it shifts, though. He says his name will be John. We talked about this a little bit in the past, but it's important that we understand that what he was telling Zacharias was, really, this is not going to be your child, or you would have named him Zacharias, right? We talked about that. He says, no, give him this name. He's unique. Zacharias had enough sense to know that if he's telling me the name of the boy, John, and if I think about scripture, I know that that means a specific purpose and identity, which is what the lesson really talks about, and that's identity. God had a special purpose for each and every one of us before we were born. And then he chose to bring us in a certain time, deliver us to a certain group of parents and family for us to carry out a specific calling. God had planned that before we were here. That's not our plan. That's not our parents' plan. That's God's design. That's God's design. We were created for his glory. John was created for God's glory. We were created for God's benefit and God's kingdom. So he says in verse 15, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine or liquor. He was a Levite. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit 
while yet in his mother's womb. God has a unique purpose and plan for our life. He brings us into a certain time, delivers us to a certain parents. But the big part about that is he gives us what we need to carry out his purpose and plan. John needed two things here in verse 15. John needed to be apart from anything that could distract him, which we see also in the wilderness, and he needed God's spirit. Don't we need the same thing today? We need to be apart from anything that could distract us from our specific purpose, and we need God's spirit. We can't carry out his work without his spirit. We need his spirit. Verses 16 and 17 says, and he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. One word that that talks about, and that's repents. That emphasizes repents. That's all John the Baptist will say. <laughs> John the Baptist had a, a, a very short and, and forceful and stern message, and it was repent. Verse 17 says, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is the angel telling Zacharias a summary of John the Baptist's ministry beforehand. In essence, what the angel was telling Zacharias is, this is God's specific handiwork, craftsmanship. You better <laughs> move John in a direction for this calling. This is the admonishment for us as parents, because we have our children, and we want our children to follow after our path or our design. And that's not why we were given children. The angel is very specific with Zacharias. He says he has a specific and unique calling. That's the way he needs to go, and I need you to fall in line with it. That's what we have. We have Gabriel giving the parents John's assignment. Zacharias had disbelief. We talked about that before. As priests, if we agree that we are all priests, right? Is that what the scripture says? We can't afford to not believe the word of God. Zacharias couldn't afford to, to not believe the word of God. He had to believe it because he was a priest and he's supposed to. We're supposed to believe the word of God at all times. We cannot afford to not. We have to believe it. It's important. If you notice, after this, we know the whole scene where he wasn't able to speak. There wasn't any service by Zacharias until he believed. It's belief first, then service. It's belief first, then service. Not service, and then from your service and works, then you'll come to believe. And that's not how it works. We believe first, and then we carry out the work. We'll see that with John the Baptist, because before he appeared to the Jewish people, he had to believe some things. And we know he believed some things because it's revealed in Scripture. 
If we move down in Luke chapter 1 to the very last verse, which is 80, 80 verses in one chapter, <laughs> it tells us a, a, a phrase or a scripture just like similar to the one of Jesus when he was a child. And it says, And the child, John, continued to grow and to become strong in spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Again, we don't know specifically when John went into the wilderness. It's believed by almost everyone that studies the life of John the Baptist that it was some time during his childhood. And he actually grew up in the desert or in the wilderness. I believe the same thing. Here are some things that I also believe happened prior to John revealing himself to um, Israel. I believe that Zacharias and Elizabeth knew John's specific calling and they communicated it to John. John, you're gonna be great in the sight of love. God has a special purpose and a plan for your life. That's what we should tell our children, right? Yes. They need to know that they are here for a reason. He said, God has a specific purpose and a plan for your life. Zacharias communicated this information to him. He probably didn't understand it at a very young age. They began to teach him the law, scripture, because in order for him to carry out God's purpose, he needed to know the word, scripture. So they began to teach him according to the law, Jewish custom, those things, Old Testament scriptures. And then at some point, I don't know when, scripture doesn't tell us, I believe God told Zacharias, it's time. It's time for John to, to go. It's time for John to leave. And I believe it's during that time, just my, my belief, that Zacharias was obedient. He was obedient. And John was led by God into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, right? I also believe it was in the wilderness time, sometime before he revealed himself to Israel, that God revealed John's mission to him directly. God will do that for each and every one of us. You probably have been in your life at one point in time in your life, you probably have felt to yourself, I don't know why I'm here. Like I don't know my specific purpose. I don't know my specific calling. I, I know that I'm here to glorify God, but I don't know exactly how that's going to look. I've felt like that many times in my life, personally. I know that feeling. And I know the feeling of when, when God reveals it to you that this is your specific purpose. It's a comforting feeling to know. But more than likely, more people are associated with that other feeling of not knowing. Just trying to figure it out. And that's a lot of time because we haven't given ourselves or recognize or taken advantage of our wilderness experience. See, this wilderness experience that John was in was important. It was, it had to happen. God revealed his specific plan to John in the wilderness. The scripture says the word of God came to him in the wilderness, right? God revealed his specific plan to John after he was obedient to the spirit to go into the wilderness. Right? After he was obedient to God to take to follow the Spirit into the wilderness, 
Then God said, okay, here is the word. I thought about Abraham. Abraham didn't know exactly how things were going to be carried out. God said, leave your house, leave earth, and come on out. We have to be obedient first. Sometimes we, we don't respond like that. We say, well, God, tell me what's going to happen first, and then I'll, <laughs> then I'll choose, or then I'll be obedient. And God says, no. I need you to move away from some things. I want to be with you one-on-one. -on -one. And I need you to be obedient to that and just trust that I know what's best for you. So this is what happens. We must be in position first to be used by God. We need to be in position first to be used by God. And this is what we see in John the Baptist. God wanted one-on-one -on -one time with John the Baptist so that John could be open and transparent and God can communicate the things to him that he needed to know. John needed to be away from distractions. John needed to be away from the systems. John needed to be away, away from any interference. God had a specific purpose for his life. But it also, this time in the wilderness or the desert was also a time for John's faith to strengthen. This is a waiting period, right? This is a waiting period. This was years before he revealed himself to the nation of Israel. Go back and think about Abraham again, who had to wait before the promised son, Isaac, I think like 13 years or so. It was a waiting period. That waiting period is an active waiting period where we're supposed to trust in God. We recall his word, we recall the scripture, not just a wait and don't do anything, but a wait and recall the promises of God. So in verse 80, it says that he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. He had to wait. God provided some things for him though in the wilderness. We know some things about John the Baptist growing up. We know that he he ate a diet, he had a diet that we wouldn't necessarily choose, right? <laughs> um, and that's the, the whole locust and wild honey. However, if you go back to Leviticus 11, um, locusts were actually permissible to eat. They were clean. They talked about unclean things and clean things, and locusts was on the clean side. So what we actually have here is a, is a, is a good, clean, probably not you know, one that we choose, but a good, clean diet. That emphasizes also that John had to take in the things of God and put those things out. He, he dressed a certain way um, that made him stand out, and that was for a reason. But John had this whole image of self-denial. John rejected anything about himself and was solely focused on God. He removed distractions from coming into the wilderness and the distractions that he could face in the wilderness itself. It's almost as if John had to practice and accept the things that he was about to teach. And as it's not about you, it's about Jesus. <laughs> it's not about you, it's about Jesus. 
So he had to have a whole entire lifestyle to show that he accepted the things that he would eventually teach the people. Sometimes we're telling people things that we haven't accepted ourselves. All right? Sometimes we tell people, God will take care of you. Don't worry. God will be there for you. But when we go through our situations, we don't believe that. That wasn't John. John says, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about the, the traditions and the, the system and the habits and those things you've had. It's about, it's about Jesus. Let's not talk about my clothes today, <laughs> all right, or what I eat or what you eat. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about God. That, that's really what's important. That's really all that matters. As I'm bringing the lesson to a close, John in the wilderness, it's clear that John knew exactly what he was called to do. God revealed to John his purpose and mission. John accepted it. He knew his identity in God. So where verse, in Luke chapter three, Starting at the third verse, it says, And he came into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every ravine will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight, and the rough roads smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is a passage of scripture that speaks of John the Baptist and is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is rare, that it's in all four gospels. That, that shows us just how significant John's role was as a forerunner. But John knew this. John, God revealed to John that he was the forerunner. You might say, well, how do you know that? How can you be for certain, Robert, that, that, that John knew this? He said it out of his mouth. If you go to John, the first chapter in the 23rd verse, he says, I am the voice crying in the wilderness. I am the one that Isaiah spoke of a long time ago. He understood what he was called to do. That's a great feeling when you know what you're called to do and you carry it out. It's in Isaiah chapter 40. This is um, where, it's, where it gets interesting because if you look at Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, it's rich in prophecy, of course. Verse 40 is a transition chapter. Verse 40 is a transition chapter. Verses, chapters 1 through 39, it's, it's about judgment. God is saying, I'm going to judge the people for they reject it. I'm going to judge the people. You're going to be in captivity. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge Judah. All throughout there. Verse 40 comes in and he says, he speaks words of comfort. Then comfort is mentioned all through chapter 40. Comfort the people with these words. Comfort, comfort. One is going to come. Chapter 40 is about salvation. In captivity, in bondage, I will send salvation. So this isn't accidental. 
John is saying the same thing right now. Salvation is coming. Salvation is coming. He spoke of this in the time is now. John knew who he was in God. John cared more about what God, how God felt about him than how people felt about him. And that's the hard part at times because so often we want to be approved by men more than we want to be approved by God. But what matters the most is what God thinks about us, how God views us. So to close out, what did God, what did Jesus say about John the Baptist? What did Jesus say about John the Baptist? We know what the people said about him. We knew what his disciples thought about him, or thought of him. We knew what those in the temple, what they said about him. We know what the establishment and the rulers had to say about him, and we know how his life ended. But what does Jesus say about John the Baptist? That's specifically in scripture, and that's Matthew chapter 11, which is where we'll close. This is Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. I just go back to verse uh, 7. Jesus having a conversation with the crowds about John. And it says in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 11, it says that as these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. <clears throat> what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see, a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, behold, I send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare you, your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. There's an exclamation point right there, probably in your Bible, it isn't mine. He says, among women, there had not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. That's a, that's a statement right there, right? How could he make a statement about John the Baptist like this? John the Baptist didn't perform one miracle. <laughs> he didn't perform one miracle. But what John the Baptist talked about was what this whole thing is all about. And that's turning away from sin and turning towards Jesus Christ. But then there's a, a little nugget there at the end. He says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John had a humility about himself that should be characteristic of all of us in that he totally surrendered to God's will whatever and wherever. I'm gonna close there. Um, I'm gonna ask that you join me um, in prayer. Um, I'm also gonna ask that you continue reading through 1 Kings, if you could read 1 Kings chapter 19 this week. If you would bow with me for a word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come just thanking you for an opportunity to remember and read about the 
the life of John the Baptist. We thank you for giving us examples of great men in scripture so that we would see a goal or a pattern or how you've taken care of your people. We thank you for having a plan that did not include our opinion. We thank you for including us in your plan. We thank you for saving us and loving us and sending your son to be our substitute on the cross. We thank you for this time of fellowship and worship. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.